Erie. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickfill. Paul Adamzak here, filling in for our fearless leader, Nick, today. He's off performing dad duty, so he's good, but of course, family comes first, and we can't wait to have him back in the driver's seat next week. But, for the nonce, I'll be your Erie Sports Information liaison today, along with my intrepid producer and friend, Rich Smith. Rich, have you thought about our job here, just kind of being an elaborate game of musical chairs? You know, yeah, it just seems like every week, everybody shifts one spot. Yeah, every week. How are you doing, man? Not too. It's been a Monday. <laughs> it's been a Monday. Believe me. Went out to to head to my other job this morning and uh, got in the car and it said what? <laughs> yeah, just did the click 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 is what is what she said. And so you know, oh thankfully gosh. I had one of those little battery packs that you hook okay. up and you know it helps if you turn it on the first time. I was gonna say the jump starters are nice. So. Uh, but mine, maybe not so bad. It, it it feels better in comparison to my car not starting, but I, I woke up this morning and my computer wouldn't start. <laughs> so the whole show that I'd worked on yesterday, uh, I kind of had to, to backdoor my way into uh, getting it to you and finishing the rest on my phone. Yeah. So that was, that was a lot of fun for a Monday. But okay, we'll stop with the complaining and let's start with the sports scores. Before we get into that, I want to plug the socials and the, and the podcast. You can find us at FC Sports Talk on Twitter, or you can complain about us to our boss at I'm Dr. Artman, A-R-T-M-A-N. But we've got a playoff edition of High School Basketball Awards to hand out. Champions were crowned in basketball and wrestling over the weekend. Plus, we'll look ahead at some playoff matchups forthcoming. It's all on the North Shore Rewind. Rich, run it back. (laughs) Welcome to the North Shore Rewind, brought to you by Duskus Funeral Home. Boys and girls basketball, what a weekend. Oh, man, and uh, great games, too. Unbelievable on both sides. Uh, Where do you want to start? Well, why don't we go with the uh, Boys Player of the Week? All right, our flagship city sports talk Boys Basketball Player of the Week was Will Harmston out of Fairview. In part from his 14 points and six rebounds, the six foot two junior forward helped the six-seeded Tigers upset the three-seed Oil City Oilers 40-33 to in a District 3A quarterfinal at Meadville on Friday night. Coach Flaherty and the Tigers seem to have a different gear when they hit the playoffs, Rich. It is uh, really nice to see great basketball in this region, and we're getting into that time where it's really the best of the best. Great coaches, coaching great basketball. You love to see it. So what do you got for uh, the boys' team? Uh, team of the week was the Iroquois Braves in another upset special. The six-seeded Braves upset the third-seeded Lakeview Sailors 54-49 in a district class 2A quarterfinal at Farrell on Friday night. The Braves were on a bit of a skid headed into the playoffs, Rich, coming off a 1-4 and four stretch to finish the seat finish the season, but turn that around in a big way, and we'll head to the semis tomorrow night versus Eisenhower. Boy, that sounded like a nail-biter of a game, it, though. Five points, and they'd lost uh, two previous times to the Sailors during that season, so a big turnaround for Iroquois. Indeed. So uh, moving over to the girls, who's got player? Okay, so for the first time in history, we actually have two girls who won Ooh. player of the week, and they're okay. from the same team, and I'll tell you why. Michaela Presser-Palmer, who we've talked about at length here before, yep. and her teammate, Chloe Yazembek, both from Northwestern. The Wildcats, with the aid of MPP's 35 and Yazembek's 22, eliminated Sharpsville 60-28 to in a District 10 Class 3A quarterfinal. The sophomore-senior duo accounted for 57 of the Wildcats' 60. So that's now 11 in a row, with an average margin of victory of 30 points per game. Their closest 
margin of victory uh, was a nine-point win at Seneca back on the 18th of January. So wow. congratulations, Michaela Presser-Palmer, the sophomore, and Chloe Zembach, the senior of Northwestern, girls basketball players of the week. So uh, what about girls team? And I, this is a big one. This is a big one. And they earned the team of the week. It's the Erie Royals. They earned another District 10 Class 6A trophy by playing physical in the paint and knocking down clutch shots on Saturday as the Royals outlasted McDowell 38-32 at the Hag. Junior twins Andrea and Aubrey Nevins accounted for 23 of the Royals' 38 as Andrea scored 12 and Aubrey added 11. They have got a fantastic program there at Erie. That's one of those like shining stars up there. The girls' program has been very, very good, and they seem to be very consistent, and they've taken taken advantage of McDowell, who's sort of in a down year, but nevertheless, uh, a great 6A championship. They'll move on to the state playoffs. A lot of talent, a lot of talent. Looking forward to seeing what comes out of there. All right, let's go over to the boys' basketball, and we'll start with the champions, Rich. Unbelievable game in 5A where the Cathedral Prep Ramblers took home the district crown with a 53-51 victory over the Meadville Bur- Bulldogs on Thursday night up on the hill. Prep's 6-0 start marked the last time either side led by more than five points. Guys, Amari Pickens was the best player on the floor as he led all scoring with 21 points for Prep. He hit nine shots and went three for four from the line. Pickens was held scoreless during Prep's overtime loss to Meadville back on February 9th, but Thursday was a different story. Prep will next play Dubois or Dubois, if you're from France or Canada, in the <laughs> District 9, out of District 9 in a Class 5A sub-regional. The winner of that game will play District 8's Taylor Alderdice for a spot in the 32-team PIAA tournament. By the way, Prep beat Dubois in a sub-regional last year before going on to win three PIAA playoff games. How about 6A? Over in 6A, McDowell avenging last year's defeat by Erie, claiming the District 10 Class 6A Boys Basketball Championship. McDowell rallied in the fourth quarter, scoring 25 four points and sinking 18 of 21 three throws. That's awesome. And they secured a 52-47 victory, another nail-biter of a game. Oh, yeah. Tyler Grove led with 17 points. Stephon Porter contributing 12. Le'Veon Gore had 17 and Jahai Mims with uh, 15 for Erie's effort. McDowell physically, you know, they were just incredible. They had some great clutch plays and they sealed the win. Setting sights on the PIAA playoffs with a sub-regional on Wednesday. They're headed to the Pittsburgh City League champion Alderdice. McDowell facing Alderdice next, aiming for a historic 20-win season. Yeah, 20-win seasons don't come around very often. Last time they did it was with Will Jeffress back in 1920, <laughs> right right before uh, the whole pandemic kicked yep. in. Yeah. Hey, let's look ahead to Tuesday. A couple of playoff games that are coming up that I picked out that I think we uh, we really should pay attention to. How about in double-A, number six, Iroquois, taking on number two, Eisenhower. That game will be at 6 p.m. at GM tomorrow night. Second meeting between these teams. The first was a five-point victory for Eisenhower in the fourth game of the season, all the way back on December 12th. So over two months ago, Iroquois got the upset the other night, and they are rolling along right now. See if they can upend the two-seed, Eisenhower. How about in AAA? We have a pretty good matchup. Number four, Mercyhurst, taking on number one, Franklin. That game's at 7.30 in Oil City tomorrow night. Franklin, 19-4 on the season. They're on a 12-game win streak. <laughs> here's, here's some fun. They've scored 80 points in eight games this season, 90 in two of them, and an average margin of victory of 19.6 points per game. Now, Mercyhurst, they're no slouches. They're on an 11-game win streak themselves. 
And during that stretch, they've only allowed 48.8 points per game. So this will be the classic offense versus defense matchup. Uh, Franklin, if you look at all the stats, which I didn't include, Franklin probably has the edge there. But again, Coach Sean Bear and that Mercyhurst defense, they have really turned it on. Uh, late in the season. And finally, wrap it up in AAA boys. Number two, Gerard versus number six, Fairview. That game at the Hag at 7.30 tomorrow night. Gerard, 2-0 against the Tigers this season. Uh, averaging 64.9 points per game is Gerard Fairview. Once again, a defensive stalwart. Only 48.7 points per game allowed. A lot going on in boys and girls. In girls. In AAA, number five, Seneca, taking on number one, Mercyhurst Prep. Seneca nabbed the upset over Northeast 43-34 for the right to play the Lakers, who were coming off a bye in the first round. Lakers are 2-0 against Seneca this season with an average margin of victory at 25 points. It'll be an uphill battle for the Bobcats, but they were 0-2 against the Great Pickers as well. Uh, any magic left in the tank for Seneca? I think there should be. I think it'll be a closer game this time. I don't think it's going to be a 25-point blowout. Indeed. Now, Northwestern is going to be taking on Wilmington in what is being called the game of the week on the girls' side. Uh, Northwestern is 20-3 and with a 53.2 points per game, and uh, I have absolutely no idea what those other ones mean. (laughs) Okay, I, I... Shorthand everything. Points four, <laughs> 53 and a half. Points against 31. Ah, okay. uh, and on the other side, Wilmington, they're 19 and 14. 57 points uh, scored, 38 points averaged given up. So uh, Wilmington, they score a little bit more, they allow a little bit more. Whereas Northwestern, they score a little less, but they allow a little bit less. Uh, one game in between them. So that's, that's why it's the game of the week. Wrapping this up. In quad A, number four, Conniant versus number one, Fairview. First-seeded Tigers boast the district's number one defense, allowing only 30 points per game. That Eagles offense averages 42.6, so Fairview's going to be fun. Let's get to 2A wrestling real quick. At the District 10 Class 2A Wrestling Championships, General McLean's Magnus Lloyd secured his fourth District 10 title with a 3-1 decision over Fort LaMuff's Connor McChesney in the 189-pound final. Lloyd's win makes him the only active four-time D10 champion in McLean's history. His practice partner, Ryan Dedrick, clinched the 215-pound championship with an 8-6 victory. McLean finished second in team standings with 137 points. Also included Northeast Cyrus Hurd, overcoming a tough opponent, won the 133-pound championship with a 2-1 decision. And then leading a notable youth movement, for Northeast in the district. Over in 3A. Over in 3A at the Northwest Region Class 3A Wrestling Tournament, Cathedral Preps Keegan Oler secured his third straight PIAA championship berth with a 9-5 decision over Hickory's Brady Slicker in the 127-pound final. Oler, a junior and three-time District 10 titleist, trailed 4-2 before dominating the third period. Meanwhile, Hickory's fabulous freshman Elijah Shivrin upset Altoona's Braden Weaver 4-2 in the 114-pound final for his first region title and a trip to Hershey. Meadville wrestlers Ben Fuller and Ty Tidbull, uh, they clinched PIAA appearances as third seeds with impressive victories in consolidation matches, and you want to go to the ice. Uh, yeah, why don't we uh, save the otters for the Rust Belt Rundown, and we'll take a break as we get ready for the Campus Corner. That was the North Shore Rewind, brought to you by the Duskus Funeral Home. When we get back, we'll head over to the Campus Corner. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. And welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quickville. The Gannon women secure the top spot in basketball. Penn State Barron takes home a championship 
And a coach calls it a career after 29 legendary years. Let's cross the quad to the campus corner. So Morgan Gentile was the clutch player for Borough Women's Basketball as she propelled Edinburgh to a 71-68 road win over Seton Hill, securing a spot in the PSAC postseason. Big win. Gentile scored eight crucial points in the final minute 48, including four free throws in the closing second. She finished with 23 points, six rebounds, six assists, and two steals. Jillian Fisher, she added a double-double with 15 points and 10 boards, all Five Edinburgh starters hit double figures, and Edinburgh will travel to Slippery Rock on Wednesday at 5.30. Speaking of Borough basketball, let's talk about the wheelchair basketball team. After 29 years at the helm of the Edinburgh wheelchair basketball program, Jim Glatch has announced he will retire at the end of the 23-24 season. He guided Team USA to the 2009 IWBF U23 World Championship as the United States finished with a perfect 8-0 record while competing in Paris, France. That team included former Edinburgh standouts Tommy Gray and Trayvon Jennifer. Additionally, Glatch and Team USA earned the bronze medal at the 2012 Paralympics in London. It was the first medal for the men's team since 2000. During his tenure, the Scots have had success both on the court and in the classroom. Glatch has coached 19 All-Americans in his 29 years, 15 academic All-Americans, four all-rookie players, and three CID Sportsmanship Award winners. Over the weekend, in his final two home games, Glatch and the Scots went 2-0. In the first contest against Missouri, the Scots came out with a 52-47 victory. Jeremy Evans paced Edinburgh in that game with 22 points and 12 assists. In the second game of the day, Edinburgh dominated the second half to take home a 51-36 win. Evans just missed a triple-double with 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. Rich? Heading to the pitch for Mercier's Men's Lacrosse, they hosted Wilmington Wildcats out of Delaware in their home opener over the weekend. After going one nothing early, I should say, the Lakers never trailed afterwards, running away 15-10. to with that win, head coach Trey Keeley gets his first win at the helm of the Lakers. Sophomore Chase Petschke scored four times and added an assist, while sophomore Ethan Landremore uh, scored five more times. The Lakers will return to action next Saturday when they travel to Frostburg State. That's a great college name. I'm sorry. I love it. <laughs> They're going to be playing a non-conference matchup. Start for that game is 3 p.m. <laughs> 3 p.m. Saturday. Hey, let's head downtown to the Gannon uh, auditorium, we'll say, in men's basketball. They celebrated Senior Day with a resounding 117-91 to win over Pitt Johnstown, extending their winning streak now to 14 games. Senior grad transfer Lyle Tipton led the charge with a season-high 30 points and 12 rebounds, securing his first double-double for Gannon. Zach Hobbs added 19 points, while Niger Houghton contributed 12 Five rebounds, four assists, and three steals. A total of five Golden Knights reached double figures in that game. The Golden Knights attempted a school record 44 three-pointers, more than the NBA All-Star game, (laughs) made 17 of them. Gannon dominated the game despite a late surge from UPJ, capitalizing on turnovers and strong rebounding. That win sets Gannon at 25-2 overall, 19-2 in the PSAC West. 
Gannon will conclude the regular season on Saturday, March 2nd at Seton Hill. Golden Knights are then assured of hosting a PSAC quarterfinal game, which will then be the following week, Wednesday, March 6th. We'll talk about that. Staying downtown, the Gammon women's basketball team secured another victory. They're 28th, (laughs) dominating Pitt Johnstown with a stellar defensive performance, limiting them to just 34 points and a mere 21% shooting. Coach Cleve Wright's Knights rank first in the PSAC for defensive scoring, allowing only 51.5 points per game and holding the fourth spot on the NCAA Division II roster. Swooper senior Sam Persco. I hope I said that one. Perosco. Right. Perosco. Yep. Okay, thank you. Shown once again with 16 rebounds, setting a personal record and going along with her 11 points, marking her 10th double-double this season. Mikkel Nation, she contributed 13 points, while Bree Claxon added 11. Gannon now 20-1 and one in the PSAC West, clinched the top seed for the upcoming PSAC tournament, and they will now host the quarterfinal game on Wednesday, March 6th. Additionally, senior guard Allie Brennan, who was a Harbor Creek grad, was honored with the Randy Garrity Sportsmanship Award. Nigel Houghton was the male winner of the award. Randy Garrity's granddaughter, Paige Garrity, was on hand for the award presentation. Looking ahead, though, Gannon aims for the top spot in the NCAA regional rankings with anticipation coming up for the PSAC tournament in the NCAA playoffs. They're going to be a tough out. Let's go to Gannon Women's Wrestling. Sophomores Lily Ufalji from Hungary at 143 pounds and Skylar Karinji at 170 pounds won regional titles while four other Golden Knights finished at least as high as fourth place to earn spots in the National College Women's Wrestling Championship held on March 8th and 9th in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Ufalvi is a returning All-American who finished fifth at Nationals last year and placed third at the 2023 Regionals. She improved to 23-9 and on the season by going 3-0 and in this weekend's tournament. After a first-round bye, Ufalvi, the number two seed, then defeated Jessica Martinez of Albion 10-4 in the quarters and won by fall over Sinai Ward of Deuville in 5-49 in the semis. Ufalvi then edged Deuville's Alessandra Elliott 2-1 for the title. Meanwhile, Karinji wrestled only two matches, but she dominated both. As the top seed, she received a bye in the 170-pound semis. She then just needed 21 seconds to pin Talia Mitchell of John Carroll before claiming a 13-0 technical fall title in the championship match. Heading over to Barron, the Barron women's basketball team won their third Allegheny Mountain Collegiate Conference, the AMCC for short. They uh, took the championship there with a convincing 73-54 win over LaRoche on Saturday afternoon at the Kerr Fitness Center. Initially down 10, Barron staged a 16-0 run for a 23-17 lead. The Lady Lions thwarted LaRoche's title streak turning a double-digit deficit into a commanding 19-point victory. Morgan Altavilla led with 19, 29 points, rather, including four crucial triples, igniting the Lions' comeback. Despite LaRoche's halftime rally, Barron dominated the second half, holding them scoreless for over two minutes in the third quarter. Boyer secured her first double-double with 13 points, 15 rebounds, while Villa Maria grad Rachel Majeski she contributed 15 points and three blocks. This is Barron's first AMCC championship in 20 years, going back to uh, 03-04. And Barron earned the AMCC's automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, Paul. A lot of great basketball 
in Erie County between the colleges, especially on the women's side. Real quickly here, let's go to Penn State Baron men's tennis. The men's tennis team won their first match of the spring season, defeating Washington and Jefferson 6-1 to in non-conference action on Friday at Westwood Racquet Club. The Lions swept the doubles and won five out of six singles matches. Owen Sinnott, formerly of Collegiate Academy, and Aiden Piazza of Fairview teamed up for an 8-3 decision at number two doubles, while Piazza continued the winning ways into singles with a 6-3, 6-2 victory at number four singles. Finishing up, Rich. Uh, the college basketball regular season wraps up with its last full slate of games this week. Mercyhurst will play at Clarion on Wednesday before they close out their season in front of the home fans on Saturday as they welcome Slippery Rock into town. Gannon will have Wednesday off before they travel to Seton Hill on Saturday for a tune-up before the PSAC postseason. And Edinburgh will travel to Slippery Rock on Wednesday before welcoming the Cal Vulcans into Edinburgh on Saturday. That'll be the season finale for the men's side, while the Edinburgh women will ready themselves for postseason play. Before we take our next break, I want to take a second and thank all of our sponsors. Quick Fill, Duska's Funeral Home, Circo Industrial Supply, John's Wildwood Pizza, Denny's Sales and Service Center, Dauber Auto Supply, Awesome Painting and Services. Without them, we wouldn't be here for you. All right, when we get back, we'll hop into the flagship feature. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quick Fill. Welcome back. You're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk, brought to you by Quick Fill. This week's flagship feature is a continuation of our conversation from last week with Cavs PA announcer Sean Pebbles. He was gracious enough to stick around and let us ask him a few more questions. So here's Nick, Rich, and myself with part two. We had such a good time talking to Sean Pebbles, public address announcer for the Cleveland Cavaliers, that we wanted to continue the conversation into this week. So... If it, you think you're listening to last week's episode, don't worry. Same voices. You're not. But we're going to pick up on our where our conversation left off last week. Okay. I'm going back to mechanics. I'm a play-by-play guy. I've done that. I understand that side of it. I've never done PA announcing. How do you approach maintaining the right balance of professionalism and enthusiasm? Like, what's the formula that they're looking for? Because hmm. you said inform, not entertain, but you can't just be a monotone nobody because everybody's going to tune you out. So you have to grab attention without, like you said, entertaining too much. Correct. I mean, there, there are obviously certain aspects of what the NBA would like in regards to its entertainment piece for the fans. And, sure. I, and, and I think with how much I get a chance to be a small part of the overall show that the Cavaliers put on every game night and, and every NBA team does all over the country because there is so much that goes on during the game that not does, that doesn't just include me. We have in-game hosts. We have a lot of content for the video board and a lot of stuff just for the other screens and the ribbon uh, LEDs throughout the building. Music, just a lot of other things with our entertainment teams that are engaging to the fans. So it's a, it's a big experience. It's a, oh, yeah. it's a big undertaking every single night to put a game on. So about three hour meeting that's where you're going through line by line here's the ad reads here's what's happening at this time every time out everything's all laid out how much of that is the nba how much of that is the Cavs that gets the input um i would say majority of it is the Cavs, uh, but obviously keeping all of the nba requirements and rules and regs um in mind as well i mean there are even certain things that i have to say and do that comply with what the nba expects in regards to monotone and things like that, you know, anything that involves the visiting team, mm-hmm. we'll get that. Um, you know, in regards to, you know, if, um, say, you know, Kyrie Irving is in town and he scores a bucket for the Mavericks, you know, I'm not saying Kyrie Irving, you know, no, it's yeah. like, you know, Kyrie Irving. I mean, it's like, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, you know, if it's one of our guys, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Jared Allen or Darius Garland or whatever, yeah, they obviously get a lot of pop. And I have certain ways that I say every player's name in that particular moment when they score, especially if it's a big, a big moment. And I'm, 
the, and the other cool part about what I do is I'm one of the 19,432 sitting in the seats. Okay, so I, you, they do count you. Well, no, I, what I mean, well, yeah, I guess, well, in regards well, to fans, but. <laughs> did you just ask him if he counted? Well, so, so when well, they well, put they up the, attendance, yeah, right. I'm, I'm not part count. of the attendance figure, no, but what I mean by that is. Fire code, though, yes. Since I was, <laughs> for that, yes, those, yes, keep those guys happy. For all of my life, as far back as I can remember of loving the game of basketball, I've been a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So what I mean by that is the fans in the seats, I am one of them. So in regards to the enthusiasm and things, I share that with them. You know, I, I don't, there are times obviously when I can't voice it that mm -hmm. way. And thank God I have a button on my microphone <laughs> because, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, where you just get frustrated because I'm a fan. I, I've, I've bled that team my entire life. And um, so I, and I think that's another big thing of what, you know, really makes that so much fun and easy for me over there is because I'm one of them. I'm one of the one of the fans that, that comes out and supports this team. And the fans can feel that. Certainly. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And, that, and But again, I'm just a small piece of that because, again, there's so many other elements that happen during a game that, mm -hmm. that, that engage the fans. And, and, you know, it's nice whenever I, you know, because I have, I have a, a way that I say, you know, when one of the guys makes a three, you know, and I have a way that I say that. And when I'm, you, when I, and you, where I sit. Share, you're not going to share that with us? No, not, no. You didn't get your nating in a napping yet. We can't do that last no, year. No, that's why. If, if you go on to YouTube, I'm sure there's plenty of that stuff out there. <laughs> but the cool part is, is whenever I do that, and especially if it's in a big moment, and I and I can, I'm sitting right center court, courtside. So I'm, I'm looking across at thousands of faces. And you have the best seat in the house. I do. And I'm not, there's no denying that. And <laughs> but when I look across and I see people putting three fingers in the air as I'm doing my call or the video board has like a three and it's dry out really long and stuff like that so that stuff just i mean i get them right now oh, you, sure. you, get the, yeah. you get the goosebumps and it's it's such a special thing to be a part of and the game nights are so special but every time i drive into the city and, and i and i think about what's coming up that night i still get i still get nervous i still get you know if, if you're not if you're not feeling it then you're not living it that's you know? the, yeah if yeah if it's if it's not affecting you, you're probably too old for it you got to get out and yeah do something the, else. yeah it, it just doesn't it, it that means it doesn't matter yeah yeah um, you, you mentioned like how you say your own players' names. Mm -hmm. How much of that do you come up with on, on your own? How much of that is the Cavs? How much is that of players themselves? Do they have any input with what you do? No, I've I just kind of <laughs> I, I I think about it and then I try it and if it and if it flows out right and it feels right and I don't blow out my vocal cords or anything <laughs> in the process, then it's and it's cool. And actually, one player we have this year, he's he he's mostly on the Cleveland Charge, their RG League team. Okay. Uh, his name is Imani Bates. And during the uh, preseason, he came in with a lot of expectation. The fans love this guy. And when he would make a three, and he's not someone you would traditionally think would make it, would shoot a three because he's one of the bigger guys, but that's the league is like that now. So Imani likes to shoot him. And so just on a whim one night, I, you know, and I would do my three call and mm -hmm. I would put Monty on the end of it, like three Monty. And not long after the season began, <laughs> one of the Cleveland media folks asked him about that. Like, oh yeah, there seems to be all this buzz about this three Monty call. Are you, you know, how do you feel about that? And he's like, oh yeah, I really dig that. I like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> that's mine. Did you ever player come up to you and just be like, hey Sean, don't, can you just don't do that anymore? No, <laughs> never good. done that. That's no. Good. And it, which, which is, which is good because <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to, don't want to tow those waters, but no, every, everybody seems to be pretty happy. The players, the fans and, yeah. um, and, and the people that, you know, invite me back to to sit in my seat and yeah. uh, so whatever I'm doing I seem to be doing it well and I'm you know I'm halfway through year seven and um, you know it's just moving right along you talk about those special moments do you do you have a, a moment that sticks out in your mind as 
you know, the public address announcer, that what's that moment that maybe your top moment in in the stadium, top moment that you had a chance to call, top moment you witnessed? There's so many, but I, none will ever top my first game opening night in October of 2017. And, and the only reason I say that is because I, I shared it with my family. My, my wife uh, and all the kids came over and, and were a part of it. And just the fact that, you know, I've, I've always kind of like the guy of like, you know, I would go for something and it's like, okay, great job, but it's not enough. Or, Hey, thanks for this, but no thanks. And yeah, you know, yeah. I was always the, the, the thanks, but no thanks guy. Yep. And so to finally get something that was really, really identifiable to me, you know, when people found out that I got the position with the Cleveland Cavaliers, people were like, there is not a better thing for you on earth than to have this opportunity to be where you are. Yeah. And so I would definitely say opening night, my first, my very first game was without a doubt, the, the greatest moment I will ever have over there. Yeah. yeah even, yeah. even if not, if when I'm there in the Cavs, you know, win another championship, but you know, it's seven and a half seasons. I've seen a lot of great players. My first season I was there. I was, that was LeBron's last season in Cleveland before he went to the Lakers. We went to the finals that year. So the finals experience was great. All-star just wrapped up recently with the NBA. I was part of all-star weekend in 2022. Oh, cool. Um, it's also enabled me to do a lot of other cool things, um, like sitting here with you guys today. I mean, this is super cool. I mean, I that's up there. That's, that's right up there. With yeah, this is, this is this is this is cool. <laughs> and, and, and another cool thing that that you know people love to talk to me about, and and it's really it's a really cool thing to think about is the fact that you know three years ago, um, 2K Sports, the video game company, reached out and brought all of us NBA announcers. There's 30 of us. Brought us all in to be on the NBA 2K video games. Uh, that that's is awesome. sweet. Yeah. So <laughs> I I am on NBA 2K 22, 23, and 24. And then when 25 comes out this fall, I'll be on that one as well. So it's one of those really neat things in conversation when you're you know just kind of striking out conversation and you get that question. Oh, it's a cool thing about your job. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's not a job. It's not work. I love what I do. <laughs> but the, the cool little side thing that that has come from that experience and it all started here in Erie yeah. is the fact that I'm on a video game. Sean shares his uh, you know his his icebreaker fun fact about himself and everybody else just walks out. Well, I can't talk <laughs> that one. can't talk that. Yeah. We, we should have added that to the to the headline when we brought him in. <laughs> we'll put it, we'll put it in. Cas PA address announcer and NBA 2K22, 23, 24, and 25. Yep. We'll put it in post. So you've had a lot of opportunities. You mentioned I wrote down video game because you and I know each other quite well. But yes, sir. Uh, you've also been a, a, a stringer at other sporting events. You'll get calls to, to go down to Pittsburgh and do stuff. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually lucky to cover the Steelers for a few seasons as a stringer with ESPN Radio. And wow. uh, COVID, COVID ruined that. I mean, there's there's no denying it. I was actually ESPN picked me because I also covered the NCAA tournament as well a few times. And ESPN Radio picked me to go to Atlanta to cover the Final Four that year in 2020. I just got my flight, my hotel, my credential, and everything on order. And then COVID happened right and shut the world it. down. And for whatever reason, the folks at ESPN Radio just kind of eliminated that group in their company. Of course, there was a lot of things that were going on um, in, in, in that industry at the time, but uh, we were part of that. So I and I have a lot of friends still that work in the press box in Pittsburgh. And um, every time they're posting pictures, I'm like, oh, I miss you guys. And, but that was a lot of fun. That was that was another cool little chapter in my life to do to do that for a few years in the NFL and, and then do the stuff with uh, with ESPN. Speaking of Pittsburgh, I saw a study or an, an article last week or the week before that talked about how they're exploring whether the city could support a professional basketball team. Pittsburgh Sport 
Uh, Pittsburgh Sports and Exhibition Authority agreed to pay a consulting firm up to $90,000 for a feasibility study for looking at the demand for an NBA or a WNBA team in Pittsburgh. So you grew up outside of Pittsburgh, you know, a Newcastle kid. If if Pittsburgh starts a basketball team, are you going to request a trade from Cleveland to Pittsburgh? No. No, he's going to suggest his <laughs> we won't put that goes down to Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, 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 and, and again, that, that, mm. qu- that question comes up often about, sure. you know, because the gentleman in, the, in L.A. with the Lakers, Lawrence Tanner, he's the second longest tenured announcer in the NBA, and he's like 45, 46 years. Dan Roberts in Utah was actually the longest one. He's been there for 40. Like, he's got like one year on him, like 47 years. Yeah. Oh so these these positions don't come along very often. No, and, uh-huh. and again, and there's, there's like thir- there's 30, 30, of them, 30 right? positions yeah. in the entire world to work in the NBA. However, when I was watching NBA All-Star coverage, and you mentioned Pittsburgh, um, Commissioner Silver had mentioned that they're looking to expand the league. Um they, originally it was like three cities, but he said, you know, we're definitely looking at potentially two. Sure. I would safely say, I don't think Pittsburgh is going to be in that yeah. top two. I would say that uh, Vegas for sure, because Vegas seems to be the, the thing. Well, it's just, yeah. yeah. And Seattle to give Seattle a team back. Okay. Um, but, sense. but we'll see. Uh, that's obviously still down the road, but, yeah. um, but if Pittsburgh ever did get one, sure. It'd be cool. But like I said, like I said I a few minutes ago, no, yeah. I grew up, going to Cavs games and that's that's been I couldn't do it anywhere else yeah well we gotta take a break but when we get back we're gonna get into the Rust Belt Rundown you're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk brought to you by Clickville I'm Kayla Sherman at St. Vincent College and you're listening to Flagship City Sports Talk Erie welcome back to Flagship City Sports Talk brought to you by Clickville the Cavs get back on the winning track. The Penguins net a W in a rivalry game. And the Buffalo Sabres are on a winning streak? <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about in today's Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Circle Industrial Supply. All right, we actually ran out of time in the first segment, so I wanted to get to the Otters before we get to the Cavs. Uh, Otters split the weekend with an emotional 3-2 win in front of the home crowd Saturday night in the Hockey Fights Cancer game against Guelph. The game was chippy from the start, and despite a penalty-free first period, the second period led to more penalty minutes than shots attempted. Guelph stormed out to a 2-0 lead, commonly referred to as the most dangerous lead in hockey, before goals by Pano Fimis, his 18th, and Andrej Molnar, his 16th, whose one-timer from 12th and French sent the emotional crowd into a frenzy and nodded it at two apiece. That set up the game winner for, who else? Kerry Turantz with his 28th a minute into the third. For the Sunday matinee, the Otters faced a front next team without their head coach, who was suspended by the OHO for a previous incident. They found themselves in an early hole and ran out of time to dig themselves out, eventually falling 6-4. to four. Rich, two away games this week will represent the final big trip of the 23-24 regular season for the Otters and begin a countdown to single-digit games remaining ahead of Erie's vying for a postseason berth. My daughter has become quite a hockey fan. Her and her friends, uh, they they go whenever they can, and they're always coming back and talking about good play. I was there Saturday night. I I like to think of myself as the lucky charm. It's always a good time. (laughs) Always a good time. All right, let's get back to business. Let's talk Cavs here in the Rust Belt Rundown. Last night, showdown the Cavs triumphed over the Washington Wizards by a score of 114 to 105 avoiding their first three game slump since December 
Mr. Frohio, Jared Allen, dominated with 22 points and 12 rebounds, while Karis LeVert contributed 18 points and 12 boards. Evan Mobley added 21, and Donovan Mitchell chipped in 16, Mitchell returning from an illness following the All-Star break. Darius Garland's late-game heroics, including crucial three-pointers that saw the Cavs finish on a 22-4 run, sealed the victory, and showcased his incredible young talent. Cleveland coach J.B. Bickerstaff acknowledged the team's defensive effort was better, but stressed the need for improvement in that area as the season progresses. And despite Jordan Poole's 31-point effort for the Wizards and Kyle Kuzma's 27-point contribution, Washington's woes continued with their 11th consecutive loss under interim coach Brian Keefe. Cleveland's victory cements their second-place position in the Eastern Conference, maintaining a one-game lead over the Milwaukee Bucks, Cavs aim to address their recent inconsistencies as they per- pursue playoff success. So, how does Cleveland match up against the Celtics? Okay, so Boston is the number one team of the league. They're the number one team in the East. They, they being the Cavs, they trail Boston by seven and a half games. Here's how the the Celtics are so good. That really, their starting five is incredible. They own a league best. 10.3 point per game average margin of victory, whereas the Cavs is only five and a half. Where I think they match up is the not the starting five, but the next four. Max Struess, Isaac Okoro, Sam Merrill, Craig Porter versus Boston's Al Horford, Sam Hauser, and Peyton Pritchard. I think depth is where the Cavs have a bit of an advantage over the Celtics, although a lot of people listening will say, well, Al Horford, Al, Al Horford is 42 years old. Give me a break. He should be playing at a YMCA right now. Max Struess <laughs> and Craig Porter, a little undersized. Uh, we know Strass can hit it from, Struess can hit it from the outside. Okoro and Merrill have been uh, a nice pair of backup forwards for the Cavs. So do they match up the starting five? Probably not points-wise, but the Cavs are so tough in the low post because of the duo of Frohio, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. When Donovan Mitchell is scoring at will like he can, the Cavs are a tough out, man. And the Celtics are so inconsistent. I can't imagine playing in the NBA at essentially my age. I'm yeah. 44 years old. That that takes uh, gravitas. Rich, man. I'm 34 <laughs> and I'm way too old for that league. So you have to be special to make it into your 30s. So what about the Heat, Magic, Bulls, and Hawks? Who do you least want to see in the playoffs? Yeah, so I wrote those four teams down. So those are essentially the 7, 8, 9, and 10 seeds right now with almost half a season to play. Yeah. Uh, but the Heat, the Magic, the Bulls, and the Hawks, I think the one you want to see the least is is fairly obvious. I'm going to say the Heat because they've been to the championship before a couple times in the last few years. You know, Spolstra, uh, Eric Spolstra, the coach for the Heat, he's a championship caliber coach. He's a very, very good coach in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler is one of those talents that he he's he's got something that's ineffable. You just can't explain what it is about him. But he is so, so good. I'd put the Magic as a close second for a team I wouldn't want to see in the playoffs. Paolo Bancaro is so good. And he's still, you want to talk about youth, he's maybe 20, 21. Uh, He's going to be good for a while. So that that dude scares me. Moving to the NHL, the uh, Penn Cindy Crosby. Sydney Crosby, where was I going with that? His wife, (laughs) a cousin, Cindy. Cindy Crosby. Sydney Crosby (laughs) continues to impress 
at age 36. I, How I, is he 36 years old? Age has become sort of a, uh, a theme later Dude. here in the show. Indeed. Well, he is still dominating on the ice, and he did so against the rival Flyers. Uh, his 32nd goal of the season came, and uh, he also had three assists in a 7-6 victory over the Flyers. Uh, Crosby's career totals against the Flyers now stand to get this. 55 goals... <laughs> And 74 assists. He's like public enemy number one. Yeah. There's wanted posters for him in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, his most against any opponent, and despite an injury to Brian Rust and goaltender Tristan Jerry's shaky performance, he stopped 16 of 22 shots. The Penguins found enough offense on the night. Drew O'Connor and Rickard Raquel secured crucial goals in the third period, bolstering the Penguins as they head into a pivotal four-game road trip. Pittsburgh on the playoff fringe... Uh, so they're kind of kind of clawing on the landed. outside looking in right yeah, now. Let's just put it that way. Uh, they remain optimistic. And, you know, with uh, Sid the Kid in there, you know, anything can happen. Uh, they are uh, especially optimistic after scoring four goals in three consecutive games, a rarity this season, despite Philadelphia's strong effort, highlighted by Traffic Sanheim, 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 yep. and uh, Tyson Forrester's goals. The Penguins capitalized on opportunities, hinting at a positive turn in their season's fortunes, just in time for a potential playoff push. Pens right now only two points behind the New Jersey Devils for a playoff spot with 20. 27 games to play. So plenty of time, but it's it's running out. What about Buffalo? Let's take a look up. Let's shuffle up to Buffalo. The Sabres secured a 3-2 shootout victory over the Carolina Hurricanes last night, extending their, yes, winning streak to a season-best three games now. There are several people in town now that are like, finally, it's happening. It's happening. Casey Middlestat's decisive goal sealed the victory after defenseman Owen Power forced overtime with a late regulation goal. Uko Pekka Lukanen's stellar performance in goal, stopping 30 shots and all three shutout attempts, was crucial for Buffalo. Jeff Skinner also contributed a goal for Buffalo. Despite early goals for the Hurricanes, Carolina struggled playing in their sixth game in 10 days. I'm struggling my second radio show in seven days. <laughs> after the game, Middlestat credited his teammates Dylan Cousins and obviously Owen Power for his goal. The win marks a turning point for Buffalo now with a 27-27-4 record, aiming to break their NHL record playoff drought. And just for the stat lovers crowd, Jordan Stahl celebrated his 800th game with Carolina, joining his brother Eric in a historic milestone for brother-brother combinations in NHL franchises. Happy family. Happy family. There you go. That'll do it for us today. Uh, folks, we want to hear from you. Topics, thoughts, anything you've got. Send us your fan questions to Flagship City Sports Talk at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at FC Sports Talk. Thanks once again to Sean Pebbles for taking time with us last week. What a great guy. Erie, thank you for joining us today. My name is Paul Adamzak, and I'm signing off for Rich Smith. Once again, hit, up, hit us up on the socials, listen to the podcast. That's it. We're done. Next time we talk, PIAA Spring Sports will be in season. 